Hello and welcome to the Analytics FC podcast. I'm John McKenzie, Head of Content, and this week I spoke to Hugo Schaukens and Jo van Hoek, the co-founders of DoublePass, a Belgian company that assesses, advises and educates confederations, leagues, clubs and individuals on optimising their talent development. During the interview, we focused on their work assessing football academies and asked what the impact the auditing process can have on a club's academy production. Here's what they had to say. So Hugo, yo, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Good afternoon. Hi, John. I'd like to start with a biographical question so our listeners have a sense of how you ended up doing what you do. So Hugo, let's begin with you. How did you end up working in the football world and founding Double Pass? All my life, I always combined football with something different. And most of the time, it was, of course, combining it with my job as a banker. I've been a player in the academy. I've been a semi-professional football player. Later on, I became a a semi-professional coach, academy director and sport technical director. And yeah, in 2002, uh, combining semi-professional and on the other hand, a job as a bank was uh, become very difficult. And I decided to make from my hobby, my job full-time in football. But first of all, I was at that time about 43, 44, I think, yeah. I started with uh, studying again and especially sport manager and what is going on, processes that are going on in football, in, in soccer, as we call it in the, the US. Yeah, I came in contact with the university where I worked as a freelance scientific collaborator and learned to know at a certain moment, Yo. Yo was involved in quality management in sports in general. And together with him, we decided to introduce this in, into football clubs. So we started with a kind of research to do for the Belgian FA, was a kind of analysis with reporting about the quality of the first division and second division clubs, the professional clubs in Belgium. And after that period of uh, analyzing, we get a lot of response from the clubs with the question, what's next? What are you going to do now? How can you help us? And, and so on. And for you and myself, that was the reason to say, well, there is a reason of existence with what we are doing, analyzing, afterwards helping clubs. And that's the moment that we, uh, we decided to incorporate the new company and to start with uh, Double Pass. Yeah, I'll come to you. How about your involvement? How did you end up working with Double Pass? We've heard a little bit of it there from Hugo, but what's your side of the story? As Hugo mentioned, as co-founder of the company Double Pass, I'm uh, now playing the Double Pass with Hugo for about 20 years. So where Hugo is more on the strategic, let's say the business side of the company with my academic background and also as professor sport management at the University of Brussels, my focus was more on the product side. Then we are talking about uh, developing, first of course, it was all together uh, with each other, but that evolving over time, of course, we have specialized a little bit more and, and my focus was always on the product side. So then we are talking about the R&D of the projects, setting up new projects, evaluating and doing the quality control of our services, our analysis and things like that, but also the data analysis and uh, the monitoring of all our services. So that's over the last 20 years, my uh, major focus in the company DoublePass as well. 
Well, let's start with a, a nice big picture question. Can you give us a brief overview of what it is that Double Pass does? I think you can compare us with consulting group in sports and, of course, more specific these days in, in football. But we are aware that we have also have got projects in uh, basketball, in other sports, arts, even in gymnastics. We are uh, today that consulting group that is doing auditing, assessment, due diligence of the sport technical and the talent development systems of clubs. Education is a big part also of the role that we play in the ecosystem of football by means of our masterclasses. We have a masterclass for technical director in clubs. We have then our course for academy directors and we have a sport technical and academy management course in women's football. So education is part of what we understand from the auditing assessment and of the due diligences that we did. Last but not least, we have a co-creation, the real consulting part of the company. That means going on site, assist club in optimizing their processes on and off the field with our experts. Sometimes it could be a strategic advisor. On the other hand, can be a coach advisor. All this with the objective, that's one of our devices, uh, together with a club, a federation or a league uh, going for more and better players. I always use the, the metaphor of double pass is a little bit the Deloitte, the KPMG of, of sports. Well, the topic we're focusing on today is analysing academies in particular. So it might be good to begin with another big picture question. And that is, why should we analyse academies? What benefit do we get from doing these audits that you do of academies? I think, first of all, when we started motivating and inspiring leagues, federations and clubs with the topic of assessment and uh, auditing, we always make them clear that it is important to understand what you are doing on the one hand, and on the other hand, that it is important once you understand how you are going to improve this and what are the criteria to improve. So for us, it was in the beginning always stimulating the intrinsic motivation of leagues, federations and clubs by means of putting them before a mirror so that they can see this is what we are doing good, this is what we are doing wrong, and how can we, based on the model that we have, the criteria that we have, how can we improve? For me, that's the intrinsic motivation of everybody who is involved in talent development. So that's the first thing that we always try to make clear to our customers, to the people who like to do or like to go for assessment. Secondly, I think if we come to the next phase of uh, the, that uh, intrinsic motivation, there is always an extrinsic motivation. An extrinsic motivation, it's mostly like we, we have done in projects like uh, Germany at Bundesliga and with also with the English Premier League, it's a certification. Certification for different reasons. You get the quality label so that you can promote your academy. You get subvention. On the other end, there is a categorization, like, for example, in the English Premier League of uh, get forced to get, get one categories so that the best can also play against the best. And last but not least, in some countries, we link also the, the compensation fees, the national compensation fees to certification. The better your quality is, the more you get national compensation fees. So I think important is why you, you should do this. The intrinsic motivation is to improve. That's a fundamental reason. And secondly, of course, it's a mean for the extrinsic uh, compensation that you get from it. The benefits are clear by the end. That's what we have seen. You have 
better academy leaders by means of this project. You have better coaches and staff, because if you have better leaders and academy directors, you, you will create also better coaches and, and, and staff. Yeah, and then you get a better academy, and better academy will produce better players. So more productivity, more return on investment. For me, the assessment is a stepping stone for everything around what is happening in your academy. So when, uh, I think intrinsic motivation must be supported by extrinsic motivation. And the target is, of course, to produce better players and, and get return on investment from your, your academy. So could you talk us through the process of what assessing or auditing an academy looks like? So to come to um, some kind of valid and reliable output, and, and as Hugo mentioned, that can be a report with findings and action points that can be a score as a basis for certification or for quality labels. To come to that kind of output, we have some kind of standardized process. And in most of the cases, we have three important phases, let's say. We have a pre-visit phase, and we always try to combine different inputs and different kinds of sources of uh, information that we try to combine. And in the pre-visit phase, we already ask a club or an academy, in most of the cases, to share already uh, and to upload some uh, information and, and documents on our platform. Our platform is called CAMP, Club and Academy Monitoring Platform where they can complete, let's say, some, some kind of ID card first to tell us a little bit more about the pathway for their boys and girls, for their better talents, information about their teams, about their staff, who is in their staff, who is coaching which team, which are the qualifications and, and these kind of things. So these are the first things we, we try to collect on our platform. And we also ask them to upload some key documents. For example, a philosophy can be a strategic plan, can be a, a football philosophy, how they want to play with their teams, how they want to coach, some individual plans of, of players, but also how they see health and performance, for example, the supporting services for their players. What is the club's vision on the residency program on these kind of things? So that's all in the, the pre-stage. A last important input or source of information is also some um, surveys that we uh, ask them to set up with their stakeholders. So we have surveys for parents, for example. We have surveys for coaches to collect also information in this way. Then in the second stage, which is the most important one, one of our analysts, or sometimes we go by teams of two, we go to the clubs. In non-COVID times, in most cases, this is on-site with a checklist full of criteria that can be 200 up to, let's say, 600 criteria. Our analyst observes all the different aspects. During that visit, they also have interviews with the key stakeholders of a club. That can be stakeholders from the uh, club management, the owner, the president, but also the CEO, for example, about the academy management, of course, the academy director, the head of coaching, where we also have interviews with, but also the coaches and the supporting staff. For example, people from the medical side, from the mental side, the psychological side, or from player care, what we call social welfare and education. 
And then beside these interviews, we also have observations, standardized observations, of course, of the most important activities of uh, an academy, which are the training sessions and also the games. So for that, we have a tool to do that also in a structured and a standardized way. And then in the last phase, the third, uh, we have the post analysis where we come to our reports with these action points, with our conclusions, and where we normally set up some kind of post-analysis talk with the academy management. Because one of the most important goals also of an analysis is to make them better. So to discuss our action points with the club management, where is the potential for improvement? You mentioned there a number of criteria and a lot of criteria as well. I'm interested in when you're assessing which criteria you are using and how you implement them. So we have different types of criteria. And in general, I can say we always try to measure the capacity of an academy, of the club, and the talent development system of a club, where we focus on the resources which are available, but also where we focus on the processes. That can be management-related processes, but also football-related processes or supporting processes. So for that, we have these different kinds of sources, the interviews, the documents, and we always try to look at these processes from different angles. So we always have criteria about the standardization of these kind of things. Okay, management is writing down things and we need some documents or evidence that, okay, this is our strategy, this is our vision, this is our principles, how we want to defend or how we want to attack or how we want to organize our transition moments. Of course, we start from principles that are written down, that can be um, in video, that can be elaborated, can be um, presented to the staff. That's our first starting point. By means of our interviews and these kind of criteria, we also check if what is written down in documents, that is also shared with the complete staff. And then at the end, we also look on the pitch if it is implemented in a uh, consistent way. So we always look from these three different angles to have a complete picture where they are in the different processes. And beside the measurement of the capacity or the quality of the processes, at the end, we also look at the productivity, where we have indicators that we use to come to productivity scores as well. So when it comes to assessing success what are the critical success factors and which do you think are the most important based on your research so the model that we use our double pass model can be considered as some kind of holistic model so that holistic model has been uh, developed at the university of brussels but of course over the last 15 years it has been fine-tuned in the company by implementing all these kind of projects in the different countries so the critical success factors, these are the dimensions or the standards which are essential for the success of an academy. What means bringing talent to the highest level possible. And for that, we have different key dimensions, if you want, related to management. So we look at the strategy of the club with regard to talent development. We look at the organizational structure. So where is the academy positioned? also in the club structure and how is the connection with the senior team, uh, with the first team environment, for example. 
And we also have a very important one, which is human resources management. So how, when we talk about talent development, it's not only, of course, it's mostly about the player, but also the talent that we have in our staff and how do we develop our staff also for the future. The second group of dimensions, also critical success factors, are about the core, which is football, of course. And then we are talking about the vision of the club with regard to to football and the football philosophy, but also their vision on talent development. We are talking about team development, which is about a style of play, how they translate it into principles, into a curriculum and into a periodization program for the fielders, but also for the goalkeepers, for example. And then that has to go hand in hand also with a coaching philosophy. How do we bring that to the pitch? And also how this is monitored so that all the coaching staff are aligned in their training sessions, in their games and these kind of things. Also, individual development is an important success factor here where we focus on the individual pathway, the progress of each individual player. Here, it's about the evaluation, the progression reviews, but also the appraisal talks with the players and the programs that a club makes for each individual talent. Then a third group of critical success factors is about the supporting activities, which is about health and performance, of course, with the medical, but also the the physical and the yeah, sports science support. Then, of course, an important one is about talent identification and, and scouting and recruitment, these kind of things. And then we have player care. Of course, for a professional club, it's important that also the combination with study is guaranteed in a good way. A last part is about resources. And resources, then we are talking about the staffing, but also about the facilities the facilities for football, but also for the other supporting services and for the medical, the mental and the things like that. And then the last one, but in fact, these are not the critical success factors, but that's the the outcome. Then we have different indicators for productivity. Well, you mentioned productivity there. And obviously, that's going to be one of the main things that people focus on when they're looking at academies, who's coming through it. How do you measure productivity? As I said before, we also try to look at productivity from different angles. Of course, the core is about the number of players that you will bring to the professional game. That's the most important. But our way to look at productivity is in a more diverse way. In fact, we have also here five groups of indicators that we use to come to productivity scores. The first one is the transition within the academy. Here, we hope to avoid huge dropout numbers. So uh, transition within the academy is the first part of the productivity component. The second one is the transition to the senior teams of the club, to the professional environment, but still in the club. A third one is the transition to the professional game in the country. So the number of players that they have produced for the professional leagues in the country. And when we look at transition, It's not only bringing them, but of course, also the playing opportunities are taken into account. So we are looking at the number of players that has arrived in the in the squads, but also we look at the playing opportunities, the number of games they play also as a starter and also the number of minutes that they play at the different levels. 
So that's the, the third component, the most important, I think. Then a fourth one is the transition to the international level, which can be the clubs in the country that play at the international level. Then we are talking about European competitions like Champions League, Europa League, where we focus on the group stages and to the final. And then a last component is the number of players that a club produced for the national teams, not only the senior national teams, but also the youth national teams. So in this way, we have different components to come to productivity scores. I'm sure our listeners will be really interested in the clubs that are the most productive. So in your time studying this, which teams show up particularly well per productivity scores? John, if you are going to ask me now names, um, <laughs> I, I think, and you're always smiling too, uh, so I, I think we are not going uh, to give names for different reasons. And I think there are organizations like SIS, for example, who are reporting about this on uh, different moments in a year. So we are not going to do, uh, like I said, for different reasons. But what we like to do or what I like to do is uh, to define the type of club that is mostly successful in producing players. And there are, for me, five critical success factors to become a producing club. I think, first of all, uh, you has already a little bit mentioned it, but the strategic vision of talent development in the club, if this is stated and clear in a club, it's part of the business model, that's the first key factor. If that is not clear, the role of the academy in the club then you have already a problem. Another part is the academy director, that's the head of the academy, is uh, well positioned in the decision-making mechanism of the club. I insist on the word decision-making mechanism. It is not advising rights that he has to have, but decision-making rights. A third point is first team manager and the academy director they meet each other on a regular basis, and this probably in a technical committee of the club. So that's the third important thing. With regard to the transition of the players into the first team, it's not enough to put them into the first team, but they have to have also opportunities to train with the first team, to play with the first team. And then for me, it's also important that once there is a decision to uh, put a player in the first team from the academy. Well, his education is not finished, that it continues further, his development is uh, further continuing. So that's the fourth. And last but not least, the holistic academy plan, like we have it in mind, is implemented and really good implemented. And that's the topics like you said, identification and recruitment must be okay team and individual development of the player, health and performance, study social and mental support of the player, and last but not least, the career plan. So these five key factors are fundamental for the type of club today that is producing uh, players. One of the things that clubs are going to have at the forefront of their mind when it comes to their academy is return on investment. And you've mentioned that you assess return on investment factors when you're analyzing clubs. How do you measure how efficient an academy is in that sense? That's, of course, another uh, complex question to answer. We are measuring, and I will give some principles, indicators we use uh, to measure, because it's too complex to 
exactly explain how you come to a return on investment. There are different factors that you have to take in consideration, but I will explain it a little bit. Uh, first of all, you have to measure not for one year, but you have to do it over three to five years at least, so that you have a scope in which you can see that there is a productivity on the one hand and there is return on the other hand based on not the fact that one year can be very productive, another year can be less productive. So you measure at least three to five years. It is, in our case, mostly about comparing the cost of developing players, the academy players then, compared to the cost of buying players, so the non-academy players. So that's the starting point. And then the cost relative that there is to the contribution of the club's performance. So that's, that's another point. So we are going to define the cost relative to their contribution to the club's performance. And contribution is defined by us as being part of the starting 11 in the most important games. So the league games, cup games, that's what we consider. So it could be that in one season, there are 40 games where you have 11 starting positions so that you have 450 starting positions to evaluate. Yeah, Of course, you have to take in consideration the total net academy cost yeah? and the cost of the academy players in the first team. Yeah? So this is one cost that you have to take in consideration to calculate the cost of an academy player. And secondly, you are going to compare this with the total cost of the first team, non-academy players. So combining all these factors, these elements, you will come to an outcome in cost per season start of a non-academy player and an academy player. And I can assure you in most cases where there is fulfilled the type club that we have in mind, you should produce more better players to have a bigger return on investment for a club. So that's a little bit my answer on your question, academy value added. The objective is to bring as much as possible players into the first team because based on these standards and criteria that we have, we are sure that in that case, you can explain return on investment for an academy because that's mostly the problem for the academy directors. We have in our listenership a lot of people who work in analytics and who work in coaching. So I think there'll be a lot of interest in the sort of performance data that you're using in your assessment of academies. I read that you use a Tagit tool as part of this process. Could you tell us a little bit about that and how that functions as part of your assessments? So the Tagit tool is a very interesting tool. You have to know that over the last years, in our analysis, in the assessments, the focus was more and more on what's happening on the pitch. So we were looking for tools, how to evaluate that. And over the last five to 10 years, what started with tagging on papers and interventions of coaches and these kind of things, step-by-step, step, we developed some kind of app first for our analysts who has to come to an objective and also a very structured observation of training sessions, but also of the games. So our Tagit has two components. A first one is to observe the training sessions. And there our focus is on two different things. First, the content analysis. So it's about the different exercises, the details of the exercises. But what we also measure is, for example, 
to what extent the exercises are also game-related. And for that, we use different elements that we measure over time. For example, in each exercise, we use if it is with a ball, if there is a competition element, if there is some kind of direction, if the four moments are included, these kind of things. If they play with positions on a correct area. So all these things are measured over time. And a second focus point is about the coaching. So we also observe the coaching time-based, where we look at the behavior of the coach during the different exercises. So for example, we look at the organizational behavior, the motivational, if the content-related coaching as well. So for example, if Q&A is used, what kind of feedback is used, if uh, players are uh, receiving some kind of ownership, if there is a positive way of coaching versus a more negative way of coaching, these kind of things. So also how efficient the training session is organized in terms of coaching. The percentage of the training session that is lost just by organization, setting up the next exercise, explaining the next exercise and, and things like that. So, of course, we want that during a training session, the players are as much as possible active and focused on the topic and the learning objectives of the training session. So these are elements that we can measure now in a very structured and objective way. And that comes to um, indicators that we can also use to use benchmarks. And what started as some kind of tool for our analysts has evolved now for a tool that we also provide to the clubs now. For example, now we are in speaking terms also with federations to use that tool also for coach education. And so when they have to do some kind of examination, that it's not only the eye of the expert, but that the eye of the expert is also supported by data, and by objective numbers, key indicators. And we have, in fact, the same for observing coaches during games. So how they organize the talks before and in between the two halves and how the coaches are also behaving during the game. So it's an app with an output on our camp, our platform, with lots of visualizations, which give a very good indication of, okay, the opportunities for improvement also for coaches. So what about the long-term impacts of your processes then? Have you seen an increase in academy productivity off the back of Double Pass's work, do you think? I think we may say today after uh, about 15, 16 years of work and implementing our projects uh, all over the world, uh, we can give some uh, examples where we achieve together, and I insist, uh, with these clubs better or higher productivity and especially also success for the nations. If I come back to when we started in Belgium in 2004, I don't have to tell you that together with Bob Rowais and some other people from the FA, at that time, Belgium was number 60 on the ranking of FIFA. At that moment, we inspired them to say, yes, uh, you have to invest in, uh, in talent development, set up some structures, set up some organization. And uh, I don't have to tell you what has happened with Belgium, uh, number one on the ranking. And if you look into, for example, players that are in the, the English Premier League, also in Spain and so on, I think we did a job by initiating, inspiring, stimulating Belgian FA with this process auditing 
assessment, education, co-creation. We may say that together with them, we, we were successful and we produced top talent. The case of Germany, for example, we started there in 2006. Germany became world champion in uh, 2014. I think also at that time, there was really a focus on two things in Germany that was strategically fans. Their fans uh, was important and also talent development. And once again, they used certification as a stepping stone to uh, bring their academies to another level, think about the football product, how to produce players. And in 2014, they became world champion. And I think that that was also due to the fact that together with the frame that we have given them the work that we have done together, that productivity in their academies and also in the success of their national team and youth national teams also became successful. Yeah, I can go to the English Premier League also, where we worked since uh, 2011, 12 until 2018. Together with Jet Roddy, we, uh, we had that famous P plan. You have seen recently transition of players into the first team and on the other hand, also success of the youth national team. So I think it's, it's once again, it's, it's, a, it's a strong stepping stone to initiate, stimulate and to improve talent development processes. J-League, you will see probably at the Olympics now with their team. They have also invested together with us since 2014, I think, Denmark and, uh, and Hungary. All these countries used the process of certification as a starting point to improve their academies. So, yes, I think on the long term, together with those who have to do it, because all my honor to the uh, academy directors, the clubs themselves who invested in, in talent development, but initiating, stimulating, inspiring them, I think we were a big part of this and were successful with regard to this. So what does the future of academy assessment look like, do you think? I discussed with you uh, before this talk. I think the process is the most important thing if you come to the academy. It's uh, like you said, the documentation, the interviews. Of course, now a lot of data will come in. Data coming from the target to what is happening on the field will help us to analyze if they are doing the right things on the one hand and the things right on the other hand, so that what they are doing is, is becoming more relevant. Another part is, of course, measuring productivity. Besides that, we are now uh, finalizing also the return on investment model so that an academy director can use this also to go to his board and say, this is what I've produced for you and this is uh, the return on investment that we have with this. The next step will also be in the assessment. The quality of the player criteria should also be more introduced and also the quality of the team so that there is always the theoretical approach, there is the practical approach, but both quality of player and quality of the team should be also critical success factors to measure objective the quality of an academy. So process, productivity, return on investment, quality of the player and quality of the team is what we see in the next phase as assessment for uh, academies and talent development system or even sport technical management systems. Well, Hugo, yo, thank you well. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's been a real pleasure chatting to you both. You're welcome. You're welcome. So that was Hugo Schaukens and Jovan Hook, co-founders of Double Pass. If you want to find out more about Double Pass, you can visit their website at www.doublepass.com. We'll be back next month with another interesting guest, but until then, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, 
and check out the content that is going out from Analytics FC on our Twitter account, at Analytics FC. Goodbye.